we are gathered here today at this memorial service to honor the memory of the members in the extraterrestrial combat unit who gave their lives in order to protect this country from alien invasion. Such fine soldiers like Hugh Jass, Oliver Klozoff, William Holder. <laughs> it's all my fault. Hey, man, it'll be okay. You don't understand, man. I'm the reason they're all dead. Oh, come on. Lots of soldiers fall in the line of duty. The alien was right there. He was in my sights. I could have blown his head off easily. And I, and I missed. And he killed the entire squad. You shouldn't blame yourself, buddy. All kinds of things can go wrong when lining up a shot. He was at point-blank range. Oh, uh, um... Excuse me, gentlemen. Um, hello? I don't mean to eavesdrop, but did I hear you uh, hear that you missed a shot at point-blank range? Uh, yeah. Have my card. You sound like you would be a good fit with our own alien suppression squad. I'm sorry for your loss. Have a good day. What was all that about? I don't know. He, he just showed up out of nowhere. What does this card say? Imperial Stormtrooper Recruitment Agency. Huh. Never heard of him. Me neither. Let's just continue watching the service. Okay. Anita Hickey. Juan Tabone. Seymour Melons. Hey, baby, hear the game. They call in. Backlog's growing at a long rate. And maybe you seem a bit confused. Off gamers. Kev will set you straight. <laughs> but Matt don't know what to do with those saga games or FFA. He's playing again. Neptunia games all over this place. What is a boy to do? Good night, happy gamers. We love you. Hello and welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like RPG Cast for your news, Q&A Quest for your feedback, and we're here for your nostalgia. I'm your host, Kelly Ryan, and with me, uh, the K to my J, the my podcast partner in crime, Mr. Matt Mason. Hey, I'm just here to uh, try to prove the accuracy of what we're talking about tonight. hey Yeah, here we already got some problems with that. <laughs> oh, point you mean blank going to tell it like it is. I was going to say, you can't hit an alien in the face, or is that an 85% accuracy? Probably about 80. Uh, jo- joining me is Josh Carpenter. Yeah, I'm going to solve that problem by building some huge mechs. R- Ryan Costa. Hello. And Pascal Takaya. Uh, my name is um, Declassified. <laughs> well, we are talking about XCOM Enemy Unknown this week. Uh, a fun little tactical RPG slash, I guess, strategy alien killing game. Um, so Something that I've actually never played, but what I was reading and watching on YouTube was giving me kind of Men in Black vibes in a way. Hence yeah. why I said K and J. At the beginning, fun and little are not really two words I would associate with XCOM. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, that's not, and I mean that in a positive way. But yeah, fun is not what I would call XCOM. You you mean watching your squad members die horribly isn't fun? Sweat buckets on the edge of your seat, um, stressed out <laughs> to the limits. Yeah, not fun. It, it sounds like 
I need to, if I'm ever going to try this, I should probably do Mario versus Rabbids as a training wheels. It's not yeah, the I mean, worst idea. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if I were to list like five RPGs I've played where I've gripped the controller so much that I'm sweating, XCOM's on there due to the amount of, uh, I just barely won, or why did I just lose that? Yeah, okay. I mean, XCOM is like Mario and Rabbids as directed by James Cameron. Okay, I did not realize that this game caused this amount of stress. This sounds like Dark Souls levels of stress. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to have a brief musical interlude with some tunes from the game, and then when we get back, you guys can tell me all about it, and it can be kind of a therapy session for all the stress that this game may or may not have caused. So stick around. We'll be right back. RPG Backtrack, where we're diving right into XCOM Enemy Unknown, released October 9th, 2012 for Xbox 360, PS3, and Windows. So, wow, game's 11 years old at this point. (laughs) It doesn't seem like the PS3 and the Xbox 360 was that long ago, and yet there it is. Um, There's also iOS and Android versions in 2014, and then I had no idea that there was a Vita version apparently released in 2016. Yeah, that was one of the last, that was one of those last ones where Sony made that late push, you know, when the Vita was floundering and they were, Sony was putting some money into third parties to like put some games out on Vita. It came out of that push. Okay. And you said that you got that one and you booted it up, but you didn't really put that much time into it. That's my memory. Yeah, I remember buying it, but I don't remember playing that much of it. I just remember being proud that it got a Vita version because for it to get a port that late, it had to have sold well elsewhere for them to say, hey, people will buy it. Well, there you go. You could play it it portably on Vita or, you know, on Steam Deck because I I did see that it's somewhat Steam compatible other than like keyboard inputs and some mouse stuff Um, yeah it's probably like the only things that aren't going to be completely compatible is probably like typing in the names at the beginning mm -hmm. but i mean it it played perfectly well on a console in terms of controls so i can't imagine why it wouldn't play great on the steam deck yep so uh like i said i'm pretty Pretty ignorant about this entire series. I, I read that it was a remake of a cult game um, called XCOM. I'm blanking on it now. Uh, XCOM UFO Defense or um, UFO Enemy Unknown, which came out in the 90s. Yeah, there were a long series of them on PC, yeah. right? Micropose, I think, made them. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they did. I, I remember my Terror of the Deep on my PC right around end of high school, late 90s. College era, played the hell out of that. And that's, I believe that's who was making them then, yeah. Now, now correct me if I'm wrong. I thought I heard somewhere that when they were rebooting the XCOM series, they was going to do it as a shooter first, and people got mad. Well, they did do a shooter at one oh, they point. Did? Okay. Yeah. That came they, after, I think. 
Yes, they're, they're being made concurrently, from what I remember reading about. Uh, there are two different de- developer studios. Uh, Enemy Unknown's done by Fraxis, and I don't remember who did uh, XCOM Bureau Declassified or something like that. Yep, exactly yep. that. Oh, I thought okay. the idea behind that was people weren't going to um, buy a strategy game. Oh, yeah, that was definitely in the era of shooters, so that's what they were, mm-hmm. you know, like looking for. They were looking for the big shooter bucks. So but the they turned off. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. The fact that XCOM 2 um, is just a real-time strategy game, does that tell you which one sold better? Mm-hmm. It's pretty telling, yeah. Oh, yeah, the shooter bombed really bad in terms of sales. Although I've heard, I haven't ever gotten around to playing it. I heard it was decent as as a shooter a goes. Minutes. Yeah. I played a couple of minutes of it, and... That's all I played, and it went back on the shelf. So I don't think it's just a matter of fans didn't want, you know, a shooter version of XCOM. I I personally didn't like it. I think the yeah. quality wasn't where it needed to be. So I mean, with a better quality, maybe that would have sold better too. I don't think it was very well received. So, but in any case, I mean, like that isn't what XCOM ever was. Not even no. anywhere close or adjacent to that. So that seemed like a like an uh, um, ill-considered decision. <laughs> it's one of those decisions that obviously comes down from corporate, you know, rather than mm-hmm. a sensible one. Right. But in, in, in words, at least they, we, uh, at least we did get the uh, you know like the they they turned over the strategy game to Fraxis, who's making who's been making civilization games for decades. So they gave it over to a good you know good group of people to actually uh, do this. And nice. they pretty much knocked it out of the park. And going back uh, to earlier statement there, uh, Firaxis made uh, console versions too. And for my recollection anyway, even in the early 2010s when this was released, there weren't very many PC-based games, like PC is the main console, that had console versions that were actually good. And this was almost seamless. Like I love the console versions of this game. I, I think they did a really good job. I mean, it helps it being turn-based, you know, mm-hmm. to, to make the conversion over from PC. So it's easier to kind of like manipulate and control things in this case with a, with a, uh, you know, like without having to have a uh, mouse and keyboard. Um, I, I ran into some problems playing it on PC. I, I played it a lot on PS3, and I kind of ran into some issues. Um, it was, I don't know, at least on PS3 for me, I had a bunch of issues with bugginess, and um, that kind of ran into problems when I was playing it on Iron Man mode, when I at least attempted to, um, which which is You're one of those things. Soul. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, one of those things I should mentioned for people who have never played XCOM, like one of the things about it, like when one of your characters dies, it's permadeath, you know, like much like Fire Emblem. And XCOM has always had like what they call Iron Man mode, where after every single movement that you make, even in, you know, like every single turn, every single movement you make, the game auto saves. So that that way, if one of your characters guy dies, you can't like reload an earlier save. You're just Ouch. stuck. You got to move forward. Um, but the problem is, is like I got to this point and I was playing along in Iron Man mode, and the game crashed. And then when I came and reloaded my save, whatever had caused the crash was like somehow also tied into the save. And I would oh, just no. load up the game and then it would just immediately crash again and over and over and oh. over again. And I was just stuck because it's Iron Man mode. There are no other save files. So you couldn't go back to an earlier one. That was deliberate. They really that, wanted you to earn that Iron Man title. <laughs> that is 
Like this is what, what are I you? chose. You weak willed. Yeah, no Iron be, Man trophy for me. That that would be a complete rage quit for me. I'd be so upset. I mean, <laughs> you can rage. You can easily rage quit um, XCOM even on standard gameplay settings. Don't. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is that kind of game. And yet, I probably I I must have played through this game four or five times between the between the original and then the. Uh, Enemy Within expansion. And this is why it I was... love when Josh comes on, because now he'll be able to talk about all aspects pretty much on him on his own. <laughs> we'll see how much of it I remember. It has been almost a decade now. I was deep into XCOM when it came out. Yeah. So, so what's the story? You're, you're just a squad that's fighting aliens? No. You, you are like the international... You are like this international conglomerate all the different countries have kind of pooled together to build this force called XCOM and they're there yes to fight aliens and aliens start you know coming out of the sky landing in uh, countries and then you have a little team of four people that you uh, you know assemble and then send out to fight the aliens and you've got like you you have your your team members you have four in your team you have like four different classes it was like assault support sniper and what was the other fourth one that i'm forgetting medic medic or was that support well you do have i i don't i don't know um but i know later in the game you get um uh whatever their version of like the the powered the uh, psychic powered soldier is i don't know yes yes so, I, I, so there's more than just four character classes if you would definitely if you count that one i'm not sure mm-hmm. this guy yeah ryan's probably right there's probably a, a medic class right it's something that can provide healing here yeah. yeah. correct i was brought it up here assault heavy sniper support and then enemy within brought in mec trooper yeah the the, the enemy within had the mechs that you could build and then you could also um you also got the ability in Enemy Within to like genetically modify your characters. So the gameplay plays out like all of the maps. I think there's like 80 maps in the original game that were all they're all um, they were all created. And then the enemy placement on those maps is always randomized. And so as you're playing through the game, the gameplay a gameplay, you know, from start to finish will take what, like 30 ish hours if you uh if you win somewhere in that ballpark yeah, and you'll play through like 30 to 35 um, missions, something like that, somewhere in that ballpark. And, you know, like, so that's part of the replayability is that like each time you're going to be playing it, there's a handful of story missions as you're going along. You know, the whole gameplay loop is that each time you're fighting some of these aliens, you know, you'll capture some of the you'll you'll have the dead bodies and you'll come back and you'll do the autopsy on them. And you'll learn a little bit about the uh, aliens and you'll capture some of their tech. And you'll use all of those sorts of resources to then, you know, like build up your base, which is a whole second section of the game is where you're having you have the little basically it's done up like a little ant farm (laughs) where you have to lay out all the different parts of you know like your research area and your training area and you build it all up and you're just kind of looking at it from the side because i think it's supposed to be like yes cross section because it's supposed to be buried underground to boot 
Um, and well, you leave it out the fact that even in your even your base is not fully operational when you start. Part you have to excavate rooms and 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 build power generators to run your facilities. I mean, you said the governments are like pooling their resources, but in reality, it's like, um, here you do it, dude. <laughs> Good mm-hmm. luck. We. <laughs> Maybe you'll sur- survive. Maybe you'll be successful. Probably not. And then that itself kind of becomes like a part of the game is like trying to keep all the different countries on board because a whole a whole lot of the game is like just it, it is always throwing a little bit more at you than you can really handle. And you have to kind of balance like which way do you want to go? So you'll a- a- as you progress through the game, you'll get, um, you know, like warnings that like hey there's attacks going on in brazil and russia at the same time like which one do you want to go for you know like you can only respond to one of the missions you got to pick one of the two and as you're moving on in the game there's like this overall panic meter where if the you know if you fail too many missions like um the you you that that that's your fail state for the game you'll lose the game and you know like humanity will just give up but then each individual country within XCOM, you know, has their own individual meter. And if you kind of ignore too many alien attacks against them, they'll quit sending funding to X to, you know, to you. So there's all these balances that you have to make in terms of the overall strategy game. And then you have the individual missions that play out like strategy RPG. If I remember right for the panicking aspect as well, if you ignored the country for long enough, you actually couldn't send anyone there because the aliens took it over pretty much. So yeah. there would be no more missions that would show up in say Brazil. If you ignore Brazil's calls for help or fail too many missions in the country. Yeah. And, and, and there's resource um, management at the same time. I think there's missions that just exist to, let you either um, gain intel on an enemy that will make it easier to combat in the future, or missions that exist where you you know you're capturing and like well you've already mentioned like an important piece of tech or gear or something that that will make your life easier, but you have to take those missions at the cost of ignoring something else that's going to then be a drawback to you. So it's there's never like. I, <laughs> I feel like when I played XCOM, there was never really a moment pretty much up until the end when I felt like I was winning. Like it's, there was never a feeling of victory. You know, you're, you're, you're scraping by at your best. You're scraping by just barely. The uh, enemy always seemed like one step ahead. Yeah. And, um, and, and let's not forget also that any of these missions, regardless of like what the, what the, the gains and the losses are, like any mission you go on could potentially wipe out a huge chunk of your fighting force permanently. So it's, it's a never ending, like basically from the beginning, it's just, it's a, uh, it's a, it's one single big Hail Mary, um, 30 hours of a Hail Mary mission. And I mean, that's, and as you get further and further in the game, losing one character is just even more of a punch because you'll spend, you know, like tons of resources, you know, like training a person and getting them leveled up and bringing them along. And then if you've got this, this sniper who's completely leveled up and has all the different perks and is able to, you know, has squad sight and can shoot from one side of the map to the other, he's completely awesome. And then he gets killed in a mission. Mm. And it's just like, you've lost your good sniper. You could be totally, some, sometimes like your entire run can just be completely ruined by one character dying. It's yeah. it, it's totally unique experience in like rpgs due to the fog of war aspects on the map itself and how the 
uh, layouts where the enemies are ra being randomly generated. You could have that sniper in what you think is a very safe sniper's nest. And what causes your death is because no one looked too far to the left side of the map and suddenly two of the easiest of sectoids show up but because they have perfect line of sight on them at the best of times you have very little health all you need is one or two good hits and your character's done no matter how uh, strong they are yeah although um, and i don't know you guys can fact check me on this but um i know some of the xcom games had easier settings and i want to say this one allowed you to like take off permadeath for example or just play at an e easier level anyway mm. i'm not 100 percent sure but i feel like there was i think that's right i, I had the different difficulty settings yeah yeah and i and, and i would say you know best best of my recollection i think permadeath was only something that you um could you know could uh, keep enabled if you wanted to although i mean and i'm sure we'll get into like later like our personal feelings but i feel like that's definitely the way to to play the game for for a variety of reasons i think permadeath is is preferable but um, if it's not if that sounds like i mean it is intense and it's it's stressful so i think there were options to disable the, a lot or all of those things yeah i maybe i just played on uh the normal difficulty but i don't remember there being a like uh, whenever a character died they were they were gone but there were a lot of instances where like they could be injured and then they're uh, put on the shelf for 14 days type thing. And uh, each, like, that would be about three or four missions that you'd be missing out on having that character for because they took enough damage that they should have been dead, but instead they're just heavily injured. I believe when you went up in difficulty, it's more likely that the characters would get killed rather than just injured. Hmm. And XCOM is also, I think, is that where the uh, the meme comes from about like having a hundred percent um like kill shot success rate and ending up missing the enemy from point blank well range like we said in the skit already right? Mm -hmm. Well, I I was seeing images way back in the day of uh, an alien just being right up to the gun and it's saying that the accuracy was at ninety percent and you still missed and to to me that would be extremely frustrating. Oh, it yeah. <laughs> it, it it can be, yeah. Um, it it definitely, it, it sometimes it even feels like it's completely unfair, but definitely it is. Um, it, you know, there are games you play where it feels like they're cheating. You know, they'll tell you like, oh, it's ninety percent, but it, you really maybe only miss one percent of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, this is definitely not one of those games. This is one where if if they tell you there's a chance you can miss, you there's definitely will be times that you miss. And that's part of what you have to build in. Like, you can't cut things too fine with your strategy where you're depending upon one character making a kill shot because they may very well miss. You almost have to, like, you can't run someone out in the middle in an open area and leave them exposed because they may very well miss and you may be leaving yourself open to have them killed. Yeah, although you do have cert certain character classes that um, are more geared towards that. So, like, they have the, um, I forget what, what, what the classes are called again, but um, there's a character class that has a far greater movement speed, and they're like, they're kind of the brawler of the bunch, you know, they like the up close and personal. And it's, so those are, those like, yeah, Josh is, um, Josh is right, like, you can't, you can't and you shouldn't plan for that, but it's going to happen. Like, mm -hmm. your best planning will get ruined con like constantly. There's never a moment when you're not in a scrape, right? And that leads to some of like the most memorable victories if you if you manage to like <laughs> scratch one out somehow. 
oh yeah, you, you, things are going terrible. Your sniper is critically injured and bleeding out. And you know, like, yeah, you run your assault guy through past two enemies to, to kill the one boss you have to kill. And like you pull, you know, you like you snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. Those kind of things are always fantastic. There are times where it goes the opposite way though, too. And that this is the game that uh, solidified in my mind that 95% for the enemy and 95% for the player are two different numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah it that. definitely feels that way. <laughs> um, like, Everything in the game, I think, in terms of like the strategy, was so well balanced. Like, even it, it's a game that very much depends upon, um, you know, the the use of cover. So, I mean, that it, it's very much a game where you're moving your characters from cover point to cover point, and then even like things like movement is balanced. Like, you always all your characters have this option of either you can move a certain amount of uh, distance and then you can still shoot at least for with all of the characters except for the sniper and or you can just move like two times basically twice the distance but then you can't do an attack and so there's always like even even in your movement like there's this balance between like okay do I want to move up a little bit and try and get an attack or do I want to try and move my characters forward much quicker and <laughs> the game just Oh, man, the strategy in the game is just fantastic. Even that itself has its own layers to it, because if you run too far ahead, you're like, I'm just going to sprint ahead, going to stay behind cover. You run too far ahead, and then the enemies have Overwatch on. You get five shots against you. You're like, oh, that's where they were. <laughs> because yeah. Overwatch has an ability where uh, you can set it so when a player or enemy walks into the line of sight, they get hit or get shot at. Like it's it's I don't play a ton of um of, of these uh, like turn-based strategies, but it's at the point where if I do play one and there's no Overwatch system, it's like what is this? Who made this? See, I I'm I'm too used to Japanese strategy games where there's nothing like that. I think the only thing I've ever played that was even close was Valkyria Chronicles, and that I think Josh said that that was just automatic. Yeah, yeah, you gotta yeah. have Overwatch. <laughs> Well, Valkyria Chronicles is just like in, when you're moving around in the movement uh, sections, like the enemies will just start shooting at you if you get close to them. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Overwatch, but this is, you know, like uh, can be much more deadly. <laughs> and you yeah. act- actively have to use ability points to set for it. Like if you get two points, one movement, one shot, you can Overwatch, but you can move and Overwatch. Um, and and X, not okay. So my memory is probably more um, uh, more tuned to the sequel. Um, but I, I feel you know I, I don't think there were a ton of differences between um, Enemy Unknown and XCOM Two. So this should apply to both. When you do go into Overwatch uh, mode, well, when you when your character takes a shot during Overwatch mode, the game switches it switches into this like uh, this action-based slow-motion camera system mm-hmm. where it kind of like zooms around the battlefield and you see the, the, um, like the enemy, the alien, will be, you know, running in slow motion while your guy fires at him. And it, it gives, uh, like, let's say your shot was successful. Um, it gives it this, this great cinematic quality of like, oh, my God, I just pulled off a badass kill. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and it'll splatter the green goo everywhere when you just get one of the uh, aliens. It's a and great I, I just, feeling. I overall also like that, um, you know, we we talked about, like, Men in Black, and the aliens in XCOM have that feeling 
of there's specifically the one I'm thinking of right now is the tall man, yeah. which uh-huh. uh, which looks like your your classic like men in black like uh, I don't know like pinstripe suit hat but like impossibly tall for a human right mm-hmm. um and it's got this 1950s 1960s vibe to it that at least in you know, some aspects too obviously the whole like um i don't know like uh sci-fi infantry kind of breaks that feeling a little bit but i well, do I, enjoy that i was amused at the alien designs in this yes because it looks like your classic um, I guess what I would call your X Files, alien that the, the big kind of light bulb shaped heads with the with the huge eyes and your alien like, autopsy alien, uh, yeah, your, uh, adept, abducting cows in the cornfield alien, yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just and, and I know that they're doing that because they're trying to invoke a classic sci fi feel. It's just I, I figured that somebody would have come up with a little bit more of an original alien design. Oh, but I, I love that it. they use that though. That's so great. <laughs> it's campy. It's great. Yeah. No, I, I, I love the camp. It, it's cute. And uh, by the way, if any of you have not played XCOM 2, you get to find out what the tall man really is. Oh. So the so the tall man in in that XCOM, there's something hiding behind that that this revealed in uh, in the sequel. Oh, we'll have to do a backtrack for the sequel next year. That way we can reveal this. And, and Ryan, you mentioned the fog of war. I want to I want to give another mention of that because um, besides being stressful, XCOM is scary as hell. And to me, the fog of war system is so frightening. So you your characters show up in a location. I I'm guess like you get some kind of a like a vague mission briefing. You know, you might you might know like as much as like okay, you know, we expect there to be you know heavy resistance, but you don't. You know nothing when you get there. The the whole battlefield is kind of grayed out or in shadow, and you start kind of dispersing your troops. <laughs> and then when your turn is over, um, I, I remember the original original XCOM, like the 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 OG. Um, I think there were like a uh, like a text prompts that would say stuff like uh, an, an enemy is like moving, or or you would hear like they're shuffling footsteps, but you don't see it. The camera yeah. kind of moves around to show you the general area where something is moving around, but you don't see the characters that are there. You don't, you know, no specifics. And that is so goddamn frightening to me. <laughs> they still have that in the, you know, like when the enemy, when it's the enemy's turn, you can kind of hear it, like sk- hear them skittering around, you know, like when you can't see them. <laughs> the only and, time I found it uh, being really scary on my end because usually if while you're walking around, you, you bump into the enemy team, they disperse and go behind cover. But there's one enemy called the Mouton and Berserker where they literally just charge right at you. And now you have a guy standing right in front of you being like, I'm up. I'm going to punch you right now. So basically you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're running into, you turn a corner and you run into a mountain of like alien meat is what you're describing. <laughs> and it's about to chew you up like that. It, you know, how is that not frightening? Oh, you did say it was, yeah. yeah that, terrifying. That sounds terrifying, yeah. Um, yeah. And and it's it's equally terrifying when they find you. So when they step out of the shadow, like you know, well, I, who was it? Josh was talking about like your sniper and how or whoever it was that was mentioning it. So when when they show up near your position, you didn't know they were there, and they just come out of the shadow and boom, there they are. And they're already firing at you. Great. So if you have a surround sound hooked up, do you like hear that skittering kind of around the room? I don't know. I didn't have a, I don't think I had a surround sound set up when I was playing it. 
Okay. I think so, uh, because in some of the missions, like, uh, there'll be somewhere you have a marker, you have to go rescue the person and come back. But there are other ones where, like, this, uh, you downed the spacecraft. You have to go into that spacecraft now. So while you're well, getting closer and closer to it, the aliens, because they're in their downed spacecraft, are either exploring or patrolling to make sure no one can come in and steal their tech. Mm-hmm. So as you inch closer, you hear, like, okay. And and we're talking about, like, like tension and stuff, like, Every single time in this game when you would come upon a new alien was just so scary because you had no clue what the especially the first time you're playing the game like you don't have any clue what they're going to do you know like, like you talk right about coming up on a muton and he just like runs right into you and kills you I remember the first time I was playing and came across the what is it called the crystalid you know the uh, the spider like thing and yeah. it has that ability to like when it, um, you know, like it can attack you and like implant eggs inside of a person and then they pop out after a certain number of turns. You know, the first time that oh, happened, no. I had no clue. Like, I, I, does it put a timer over your head? I may be confusing it with another game. I just remember the first time that happened and I had no clue what was going on. And I'm just going about my merry way playing through the mission. And then all of a sudden, you know, like a you know, the, the the character just explodes and the little crystallids come out of it. And I'm like, totally, it just ruined the entire mission for me. <laughs> so so yeah. they go full chest burster. Totally. And oh I uh, just reminded myself of after the chest bursting, your, your character is now dead, but rises as a zombie to yep. fight you itself. <laughs> so now all of a sudden you're facing like four new enemies that you know, like you weren't expecting. Is is there any way to get the eggs out, or are you pretty much screwed at that? Point? Oh, you can. It, once the once the eggs are implanted, the only way to do it is to just kill the person. Oh, oh. I wonder if I avoided that happening. That that doesn't ring a bell with me. I want I, to say you can get them removed if uh, you like study the chrysalids. Is that? I think there's the, a way. They're also like one of those. Like if you can finish the mission mission before you know. Yeah. They explode. I think that was a way around it. But now, yeah, if you're like at the beginning of the mission, you could just be hosed. It's just like, okay, yeah. this person's dead. I just need to kill them now. <laughs> so speaking of finishing the mission, um, I don't know if it was only certain missions or any mission, but I think in this game, you, after um, a- achieving your objective, you have to then evacuate everybody back to like the pickup point. I remember yeah. that being a thing in at least some missions, but... Yeah, yeah that was I'm, a thing I'm in at least sure. some missions, yeah. And if I, there I, I think... anywhere it's defeat all enemies, then you didn't have to go to an escape point because it's like okay. 13 enemies on the map, you kill them all, you're probably fine. So yeah. it is, there were those it is missions possible where you had... yeah, to lose people during the evacuation stage. I don't know if there was like a timer of a certain number of rounds, or, um, or other enemies might spawn that, you know, somebody could get tangled up with, which kind of slows them down. I, I'm a hundred percent sure I'm, I, uh, I lost one or maybe two characters, like after a, a mission had been successfully already achieved, just trying to get out. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. and it's another one of those, you know, how many times have you, that's, I mean, that's a staple of like an action movie, right? The, like a frantic escape. And then somebody has to, I don't know, like you go ahead, I'll slow them down kind of a thing, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. it's great for role playing. Um, and I know it's not, really what we're talking about right now like the characters but i find that so 
um, so praiseworthy that the the characters are all random, basically soulless characters mm -hmm. with like no narrative. Any narrative comes from just you, but these like these these moments that occur during gameplay just make them feel like think about um um Aerith getting killed in Final Fantasy. Now I, I remember some of my characters, some of my squad members in XCOM dying just as well as Aerith in Final Fantasy, right? It, <laughs> like they're the same level of um like gut wrenching to me. <laughs> you, you get so invested in them. You you spend so much time. You pour so much into them that when one of them dies, it's just it kills you. And you know, like you know, it can ruin. You know that it has consequences not just in that mission, but it's going to have consequences going forward. If you yeah. lo lose that really good sniper, like you're going to be feeling that for the next five, ten missions. It's going to make it difficult to even win the game. Like you know, like so all that kind of stuff. It it hits. It has impact. Or when you're your brawler, that's like like dug you out of you know how I, you've kind of lost count how many times they've come they've come through in a pinch and and like dug you out of a hole that you didn't think you could get out of and one mission and then another one, then another one is successful. And you can kind of just chalk it up to this one character constantly coming through. Right. And then at some point they get hit by, you know, an unfortunate ambush, or like you said, like you, you turn the wrong corner and then that character just, you know, bites it. And it, it feels like a little piece of your soul <laughs> has been ripped away. Cause that's <laughs> the one I needed her or him. You know, I think for me to, to I, I I think there's something like enjoyable like I usually make um like the uh, like those brawlers like uh, like a female character I think about like a uh, Vasquez and aliens you know and and when they bite it it's so um heartbreaking on yeah. the flip side the rare occasions where you have that brawler turn the corner and you go oh they're dead they're surrounded by four enemies and they somehow dodge everything and survive you'd never forget that moment yeah and, and uh, right is it not easy to raise up a new character either? No. The no. most you can level is like, because you start as pri uh, private and then you go up by like uh, ranking in an army. So if there's seven ranks, I think in total, the most you can do per mission is one. So they have to survive at least seven missions while doing a lot of killing of the aliens and successfully uh, surviving to reach the maximum level. And there isn't any way that you can, you have like maps that you can go grind in or anything? Well, there's a time limit to the game. Okay, gotcha. Which is the ultimate, like, gives me heartburn just thinking about it. <laughs> if it wasn't for this damn time limit, the whole game would be a very different experience well yeah because you could grind up as much as you want what 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 aspect is the time limit is it no well, missions or? yeah we, uh, it's already been mentioned it's the the panic meter and it's continuously oh, okay. rising right and there's nothing you can do to repel the aliens in a way that you ever pull ahead like the best you can do is kind of slow down how fast the panic meter advances like i you, you can't really, I mean, the object is not to, you don't win by bringing it back down to zero because you can't. Your best bet is to advance far enough through the missions. And, you know, it, so, it, I mean, the end of the game is, well, I, I the specifics I don't remember, but I know you at some point, like after you go through certain um uh, like uh, like checks of like I you know I built this piece of equipment that's necessary or uh, like you have to I, I'm pretty sure it's required that you make at least one of your squad members like a um, I was about to call him a cyber soldier that's not really right yeah um, yeah you get some other psionic? technology and yeah yeah psionic, like a psionic yeah. guy right yeah um, so after you've cleared certain story checks 
eventually you get the mission of um you go on to the alien mothership I, I guess i'll call it i'm pretty sure that's what it is i think it's airborne too while you do i think yeah. you infiltrate it in mid-flight and you have to take out you know the big boss right whatever that is i don't recall um so the best you can hope for is that you get that far before the panic meter reaches maximum. So yeah, you don't have time to grind. Um, you might have a couple of units like in reserve in your barracks, but there's a very finite um, number of units I remember having soldiers. So when one dies, yeah, you might have one to replace it with that's less experienced. At least you don't have like a gap in your squad. But at some point, those soldiers like run out and you and even and even if they didn't, they would be way too under level to take on like the final mission, right? So you're stuck with maybe going into some missions like completely ill prepared, like with not you might you might choose to actually it might be more beneficial to go into a mission with like an open slot on your squad rather than take like you know a f- fresh meat with you. I, I remember that being something I learned as I went on playing the game over and over again was that. You, you know, like trying to have a backup for the really important slots, like especially like a sniper, because if you lose your really good sniper, you're just be hosed at the end of the game because sniper is so valuable and so powerful. So, you know, like as I got on further in the game, I would just intentionally like make sure like, OK, I've got my main sniper that would use like we, we've kind of mentioned the RPG aspects kind of in passing a little bit like but as you gain experience in the in in the uh, each of the missions you rank up and each time you rank up from private to uh, lieutenant to as it goes on up each one of the levels you get kind of to choose like one perk or another like your health meter goes up and then you get to choose like different perks so it's one or the other and some of the perks, I always felt there are some of them are kind of broken in how much more powerful they are than others. So, so like the one I remember, like the sniper, he had the squad. There was one of the perks available was like the squad side ability. So, so long as you had like an open path, if one of your um, squad members had could put eyes on an enemy and there was an open path for like a bullet or a laser to take, like he could hit him even if it was on the complete other side of the map. So you could just take your sniper, stick him up one place high, and never have to move him the entire mission sometimes. <laughs> so it's like super powerful ability. But they had all, you know, like all the, as you leveled the characters up, you would have all these different choices. I think the other option for that was on the sniper is like the ability, snipers usually can't shoot after moving. And I think the other side of that coin is actually being able to, take a shot after moving your sniper. So I would always have like the one sniper with squad sight who was kind of like my main sniper. And then I'd have the secondary sniper as my backup that would have the ability to shoot after moving. So he'd be useful for like uh, whenever you would take down an, uh, one of the UFOs and have to kind of be in tight quarters. I'm like, okay, I don't need to shoot across a big map. I need someone who can shoot after moving and staying in cover will be more useful. Now, you say taking down a UFO, as in you're taking down a space saucer with grunts? Correct. So there are, like, well, different no, types. You don't take it no. down with the grunts. Yeah, you have a, a base that you build from, and the uh, tactical turrets that are uh, from these oh. bases that you're moving oh. around, we're like, there's a UFO spotted. We shot it down. And but then oh, you okay. send your grunts in to, like, recon and gotcha. clear out any threat. I, I thought that he was actually fighting a, an actual UFO within the tactical map, <laughs> which no, sounds no, no, like no. it could be cool. <laughs> 
Uh, like if you wanted to get their power source from like their engine room type thing, the alien spaceship has crashed and st- because it crashed half of it's like there isn't a door blown open. It's like half the spaceship is blown apart so you can walk in through like the upper half of it. And then there could be levels to the spaceship or uh, f- like find the new tech somewhere within there. So you have to walk through their hallways inside this down spacecraft to find where the uh, power source is to grab it and run out could be a mission. And and then on top of that is like almost all the environments are destructible. So, you know, like if even if there's a building or something like that, you can take a grenade, toss it against the side of the building, blow a hole in it and then attack right in. You know, like like there, there's so many different ways to attack it in terms of strategies. I did want to jump back before I forget in regards to grinding it. There is a strict time limit to make sure with the panic, but uh, it never fully goes away, never stops going up. But if you do the side missions rather than the uh, story missions, and if those side missions happen to be in areas that were close to panicking, you can make them temporarily halt or go slower. So even though, say, blitzing through the game is like 30 missions, you could probably have room for about 50 before you're done. So you do have some ability to, when you lose a character, build them up a bit, but you can't like grab a private and make them go up to like rank six. You could probably make them rank three or four before you have to go do the next story beat. And and I take it you want to do those side missions because you can get good loot from those. Exactly. And there's like a bunch of like, you know, you're putting resources into your characters and then you've got a bunch of other strategy stuff that you're having to balance too. you're sending up satellites so that you can see UFOs that are coming. I think you had to put money into like your turrets or something so you could actually shoot the UFOs down like you're putting money into like researching technology and you have to you know like you have to put so much resources into like improving your weapons because you get into the middle and late game if you haven't put enough resources in to kind of get the laser and plasma weapons you're going to be outclassed by the aliens and not really be able to compete like there's there's a lot of different strategy balancing as well yeah. yeah. At some points, you have to put aside your squad. Like your fighting force has to be told, "Sorry, we can't afford new gear for you right now because we're literally having to expand the base." Like, if, but if you don't do that, then you don't have access to this, you know, uh, this 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 new generator or like a. Um, I, I keep coming back to the psionic soldier, but like you need a special room that you have to build in your base to even. Um, like a, a train a, a normal soldier into being a cyber soldier. So you can't, I mean, it's nothing but trade-offs and it, they never feel good. Like, yeah, they're beneficial. Like there's, you know, obviously like a positive and a negative each time you choose one, but what you're sacrificing always seems like a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's never a good choice, I feel like. No. And I take it your progress doesn't carry over into new games at all. No. No. Okay. You, you are starting from scratch. You you learn. <laughs> you get better yeah. at the game. There's your progress. Knowledge. That's your progress. <laughs> I could be wrong, but couldn't uh, some of the council missions, like the random ones they give you, like, go to Brazil and help me save this person. You wouldn't just get resources, but every once in a while they would actually give you, like, uh, new unlocks for, like, your uh, main base. I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. So it was was worth doing them occasionally because just because your main base is made of the best of the best doesn't mean that, you know, the United States doesn't have its own 
version of XCOM going on at the same time. So it's like, you need to help save our uh, general. He's now locked behind here. If you do, we'll give you an upgrade to your turret. And then it saves you from having to use your resources to unlock that turret because now you, you can just get it for completing the side mission. So um, t- tell me about the, the DLC. Uh, what was the DLC called? Enemy, Enemy Within. Uh, Enemy Within. So... Uh, Rather than like uh, like an expansion or extension of the story or something like that, it basically just redoes the way the game itself works. So it adds in a new resource called Meld that that'll be on. I think it was pretty much all the maps, and it adds in like a new kind of like it adds in mechs, which is a new thing that you're able to like. Uh, Put sit, you know, like create your uh, create mech soldiers using the meld. If you can uh, get that resource, it adds in the uh, the the ability to genetically modify your characters, so you can make them have like super high jumping ability, so they can jump up on top of uh, buildings, or you can give your sniper really awesome eyes, so that they never miss. You know that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, like like we said, everything in the game, it's always a finite resource. And so you have to, you know, you don't just have tons and tons of meld that you can spend on, you know, like leveling up all your characters all the way. You have to really think about like, okay, I'm going to build a mech. I'm going to spend the resources here. And I've got a little bit of money left over, a little bit of the meld left over to actually genetically modify the characters. How am I going to spend that very carefully? You know, because I've only got so much of it. How do do I want to build my party to you know, like match the tactics I want to use. And I really liked the way the use of meld, the kind of the the addition it made to the game. Because one of the things like in the original game, because the fog of war plays such a role and basically the one one of the easiest strategies for the uh, for enemy unknown was to just be very very slow and kind of turtle your way across the map and even then it's it's not exactly easy but that's kind of the easiest way you're trying to be very careful very methodical keep all your characters in cover try to make sure that you don't trigger more than a couple of aliens at a time because if you get you know if you start moving too quickly you can you know like trigger two or three different groups of enemies aliens and you can be quickly overwhelmed Um, but meld um they would put this resources out on the map and it has a time limit so you've only got so many turns before you know to actually get to that point and grab it before it goes away so now you have this new tension. Like if you're one of those characters, like I was, who would kind of turtle their way across the map in Enemy Unknown, in Enemy Within, now, you, now you're taken out of your comfort zone. Now if you want to get that meld so you can build the cool mech, well, you're going to have to kind of push a little bit faster than you'd really like to go. You're going to have to, you know, like, you know, search. You're going to have to go a little bit farther into the unknown and maybe risk getting, you know, running into more uh, aliens than you really want want to and adding to that a bit of tension is uh enemy within added a third enemy faction that goes directly against your uh funding it's like they steal funds from you or they increase panic or uh reverse progress on a project you're trying to research because 
uh, which is something we didn't mention from the original game is when we're looking into like you want to get that brand new machine gun for your infantry it's not just two seconds later you have it you have to take time to research it that could prevent you from going on side missions for example see when you talk yeah. about everything having in the game having a trade-off and you talk about genetic engineering i didn't know if there was like a moral trade-off or something there no it's not that standard like western rpg moral system no okay but kelly are you are you getting it yeah no, <laughs> how, how like no no like how are you are we are we um explaining well enough yeah how stressful no. this game is <laughs> I, I get it completely from, this from is, the word go this sounds like uh somebody looked at fire emblem or early fire emblem and thought it was too easy and said hold my beer um <laughs> I kind of, thinking of it from like Fire Emblem, it would be like if Fire Emblem started where you were in your throne room inside your place, and then every time you branched out, you just realized there's more and more enemies and more, like, oh, they only sent their weakest units at you while you were in your throne room. Have fun trying to collect everything and keep going. Yeah. It is kind of like old school Fire Emblem where they would you'd be working your way across the map and then all of a sudden like, oh, here's some reinforcements. We're going to dump right in your rear and kill your healer. Have fun with that. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds stressful, but it also sounds, sounds like if that's your thing where you really like to think hard about uh, – your tactical games it, it sounds fun because i that's one thing i love about tactical games is trying to figure out okay well where do i put the where do i put these guys to, to minimize damage and and stuff like that and and scratching that tactical part of your brain sounds fun and, and it's a game that has a lot of replayability it's not super long you know it, it can be played in like 20 to 30 hours so it is very much something where you can do a run through of it and then learn quite a bit and then come back again because the the number of maps that they've built into the game makes it so that even when you're coming back and playing it a second time, you're seeing only there's what, like five or six major story missions that are, you know, kind of have set story maps. And then otherwise you're going to be seeing like a whole host of different maps than you ever would have seen before and you know like all of the aliens have random placement up on those maps everything feels fresh even if you're playing it a third or fourth time and it, uh, despite it being consistently stressful i never find the game to be overly unfair uh there are moments where like you have the option for doing uh the next story mission will uh, possibly come up really early and it's like if you do this it will be nearly impossible. That isn't, uh, I can, if I just do it like this, maybe it'll work out. Like, no, if you don't have the correct unlocks or geared up your squad high enough and you try that mission, you, you're going to die. So uh, it doesn't mean that the easy missions are ever going to be easy, but trying to go out of your comfort zone, be like, oh, I, I can comparing it to other strategy games be like i'm level 15 i can beat level 18s no problem and in xcom if you're level uh, the equivalent of a level 15 versus a level 18 you're gonna lose if if there's any criticism for the way it's balanced i have it's just that the difficulty curve is a little bit weird in that like i mean it's it's fairly difficult when you start it probably peaks in the middle and then usually like once again like if you've figured out how to have a decent playthrough like the end game is kind of easy in comparison to the you know the beginning in the middle of the game what 
<laughs> really? Oh, different experience? Yes. <laughs> Please. Um, okay. I was going to save it till, uh, till later. Like it's one of my, um, stories. yeah, the story, but I, I, you know, that's okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I lost my entire, like little by little, I lost everybody on my squad as I'm getting closer and closer to the end game. Like, I think I, I, I already was, um, not, I don't want to say scraping the bottom of the barrel because, like, I still had some of my heavy hitters. But I went into the final mission with not an optimum or full squad. And <laughs> as the final mission, like, um, I guess, like, uh, played out, um, I lost all but my main guy. So I went into the final. I I don't even remember if it's a fight or if it's if it's just like a little cinematic beat. I think there's something to it. Um, I went into the final confrontation, let's just say, with just my main squad member. Um, who also happened to be my psionic soldier. And I think he has to be. I want to say yeah, that yeah. you need him. You need whoever whoever your psionic guy is. Well, I think you can have more than one. I only ever had one. So, boy, was I lucky that he's the one that made it. <laughs> like it was, but, okay, maybe it wasn't luck. I take that back. And the reason this is a story is because, like, it played out like a movie in my head. It's that thing where going in, you know you need to get that guy or that that uh, unit to the control room, right? Like, all is lost. Like, this is your final push. If that person doesn't make it in, the aliens win. And so everybody else on the squad that's there is prepared to, you know, sacrifice themselves to make that happen. And that's exactly how it played out for me. So it wasn't easy, but man, was it great. Like, I mean, I couldn't have written it any better. And if I had died, I would have, I would have never restarted it. That would have been it. And, that, and which is, which is just as well, because um, canonically, it turns out XCOM 2 says the aliens did win. I was about to say, were, are there multiple endings? Uh, uh, I don't think I don't so. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, I think it's just you, you lost the aliens one as the, the bad, which, you know, ending. And, yeah. and canonical ending, apparently. Yes. But, uh, which they've yeah. continued on even into the, the one, the, uh, the, the sequel that came after XCOM 2. <laughs> well, otherwise, I guess it, it makes sense because otherwise there wouldn't be a sequel. Yeah. So, yeah, I would. It wasn't. It did, I did not find the end game to be easy. I, but the way it worked out for me was very memorable. That, that sounds like an epic story. Like, like, go on to the control room. I'll give you time, and yeah. that's your whole squad. And it's 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 great if you're able to kind of role play that element into it. You know, this is very much a game where the story is pretty bare bones, and you're the one kind of like. In, in that sense, it's almost like reminiscent of like a, a an NES or SNES game. The the story itself is bare bones, and you're kind of providing all the 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 additional bits that kind of give it life and color. Mm-hmm. Especially as you're naming your characters after your family or prime ministers, or in the case of the skit, joke names. So there's that aspect, but also as the characters level up, I don't I don't remember what rank they have to achieve when they you know when you when they first start out they um they're just first name last name, but after one or two level ups or whatever level it is they actually get nicknames and it's that very you know macho militaristic like thing like you know you can just see like their dog tags you know or their um the other the other guys in the platoon just call them by their nickname you know what i don't i i don't know what they might be but like that's that's like that 
the Marines, you know, you're just referred to by your by the name you've earned on the battlefield kind of thing, you know, and yeah. that and that does give it a lot of color, though. And it like it's weird to say, but like it fleshes out the character, not by giving them actual story, but like the battles that you've taken them in. That's their backstory, you know, like you've earned that name for them. The Will, uh, Will Jones sniper that you have gets the nickname Eagle Eye. And you're just like, I remember yeah. Eagle Eye. He, di- he did me well, but right. 14 missions in, he got to hit from the side by a squad that attacked him while he was on a rooftop. And I just couldn't see him come. Like, that in itself is a mini story that could have just happened in a random battle. Exactly. I think there's even a place somewhere on your base where you can go to see that your the names of your fallen soldiers like a memorial or something yeah that might just be the sequel i don't remember i remember the memorial so i think it's in both which does have its funny moments too uh more in-depth stories can be brought up after when you're when reminiscing uh later on but when one of your uh, party members dies, uh, there's a chance for another member of the squad that's on the field to panic. And sometimes within that panic, they do anything and everything. They'll shoot, they'll move. So you'll have moments where someone gets sniped from across the field. And you're like, now Jim's panicking. And he just goes, ah, and shoots uh, Bill in the head. And you're like, well, Jim just killed Bill for some reason. <laughs> and now he's standing out outside of cover and the aliens are going to slaughter him and this mission has gone, you know, bear-shaped very quickly. Yep. <laughs> and then you have to find a way to, like, fight back somehow and, like, like claw back into some semblance of uh, survival, you know? <laughs> and then, of course, you go back to your memorial and go, yep, I remember Jim quite well. He's definitely deserving of this memorial. First mission, panicked and killed a teammate. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like we're ready to go into the roundtable, but before I did want to just quick get into the game's availability. Um, right now, you can get it on Steam. Crap, where's my window? You can get it on Steam for around 30 bucks, and there's there's a full bundle with that game and all of the DLC and the sequel and all of that game's DLC for like 99 bucks. But um, it goes on sale all the time for yeah. Steam sales, so wait on one of those. And yeah. special shout out, Steam has all the OG XCOMs as well. I don't know the pricing, but you can get UFO Defense, Terror from the Deep. Um, what, uh, what? I think I have them all. Uh, Interceptor, Apocalypse, Enforcer, they're all on Steam. Um, if, if you do have a really crappy computer and are still beholden to that physical forever thing, um, the, the discs for the... 360 and PS3 versions go for like less than a dollar on eBay. Though, you know, I didn't even think to look up the Vita version. Let's see what the Vita version goes. I'm not sure there was a physical version. Say what? Yes. It was this game? Yeah. You know, I'm not seeing the physical version on... I'm not sure there was a physical version. It may have been digital only. Okay, that that doesn't surprise me. It it was kind of later in the the Vita's lifetime, so... so... So there you go. Um, oh, you could get the 2K Essentials collection with Bioshock, Borderlands, and XCOM for $31 on eBay. Or, you know, just get the Steam version since that's probably going to be updated and patched and that's, all, all of that a, fun stuff. That's a Is funny a collection. Phone version of this game? Yeah, I was reading that there's iOS and Android versions. Um, so I just saw a note that the Vita version is based 
you can absolutely play the the very old XCOM on phones for sure. But um, from my limited experience with the original XCOMs, like as difficult as we're we're talking about this new one, well, new quote unquote being, um, the OG games are no joke. Even more brutally difficult. I, I think so. I have very little experience, but from what I remember, yeah. I've mostly only seen playthroughs, and they remind me of the hardest CRPG difficulties on the easiest. Like, the easiest mode in the early XCOM games is harder than the hardest CRPG. <laughs> they are something. Like, I would probably just check them out as, like, a, um, a curiosity, you know? Like, not dedicating, like, nope, I'm going to see the end credits on this one. I don't know. <laughs> that i could but, but the reboots are just fantastic oh def. definitely definitely search them out it's kind so, of amazing this has never gotten a switch port if they put it on you know put it on mobile and uh and vita that that is surprising i don't it, know maybe there just wasn't enough of, de- of a demand it just yeah. occurred to me too xcom 2 um in my when I reviewed it, I actually uh, pointed out that it was even even still more difficult than the xcom we're talking about so XCOM Enemy Within like is probably the most accessible version you're going to find of XCOM in terms of difficulty. And, and it's pretty harrowing. Said, and you guys said that there are modifiers that you can turn off stuff like permadeath? I mean, I, I, I think there is. If it's not in that game, then maybe it's the sequel I'm remembering. I know I've seen that somewhere, but I wouldn't even recommend that. Like, um, that's where a lot of the the memorable moments come from. Like, I mean, if you're if you if all you have to do is just hit hit reload, it, nothing's gonna matter. You're just gonna spam the battle until you get the outcome you want, and you lose all of that um, that head cannon. You know, you're you're building a story as you go, and and because of like the stakes involved, like death is part of that story. Your guy's dying. That's part of it. it I feel like it has to be. I would. I don't think I would want to play XCOM without permadeath. Uh, we're mentioning slowly turtling around. You lose that entirely if you take out the uh, take out any of the stakes of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that's understandable. It sounds like most of the story is you know, saying who died and who lived and um, kind of making up your own stuff around that. I mean, I play games for story, so to me, it ha- that had to be the heart of the game. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be here talking about it as like enthusiastic as i am so i I guess it's i guess it depends like if that's not if the story or you know such as it is isn't the thing you're looking for well then by all means like yeah then permanent probably means less to you yeah i mean i love this game but i'm not sure that the story is this isn't uh like the modern fire emblems where there there's tons of waifus and lots and lots of story to to kind of follow along you know, like to 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 thus kind of like perhaps shunt the strategy to the side by turning that kind of stuff off on XCOM. I mean, what you're coming to it for is the gameplay and that right. tension that you get from permadeath right. is just ever present and is part of what makes it great. A comparison that popped into my head would be like if you're a fan of Gears of War, but you weren't playing as any of the like main characters from Gears of War. Because you know mm-hmm. that other people have to do those missions. They die all the time. So <laughs> You're expendable at all times is what you're characters. saying. Yeah, it really teaches you what it means to be expendable, right? Um, Kelly, you compared it to Dark Souls earlier. And I kind of maybe want to say, actually, not really. Because Dark Souls, you know, it's all about like dying and coming back and trying for the 50th time to beat that boss. 
So in that way, yeah. it's very different from Dark Souls, actually. Yeah, no, no, you're right. It's just when when I when I think tension in gaming, that's usually the first thing that comes to my mind is a from software game. You know, you know, gripping your controller until you can't feel your hands, kind of tension. Um, but yeah, I I can definitely. I mean, I've had some pretty tough tough fights in uh, Eastern strategy games before, so I can definitely feel the. The hoping you get out of this alive kind of tension there. Uh, yep. Do we want to bring up anything else before we move on to the round table? No, I'm saving my stories for that. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll give the audience some tension and take a quick break. And when we come back, we will get into our, our own personal thoughts about XCOM. So stick around. Welcome back to RPG Backtrack, where we are getting into the uh, roundtable now, talking about our personal feelings about XCOM Enemy Unknown and the, the interesting stories we have. The The first story I have to know is your best uh, fight was going well and it went totally wrong story, because those sound like the best ones. That's like every fight. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, what was the one that made you want to throw your controller into the wall? Probably the, the first time that I uh, was overconfident trying to go into one of the final missions. Uh, first time you meet some of the minds behind the alien invasion. So you walk into the uh, spaceship and I just, I'm all powered, all uh, don't think anything bad could happen pretty much walk in and then they just lob basically a psionic attack at me one of my guys dies another one panics and runs into a corner I'm like i need to run with these two now right now and then just trying to flee suddenly with just that split second of walking into the room feeling like i got this no i don't <laughs> yeah i think i mentioned mine before when we were talking about it but that first time i was facing the chrysalids and and it implanted eggs. I don't think it was in one of my characters. I think it was in like one of the uh, just like random people on the street. But I had no clue what it did. So I'm just going on with the mission, and then you know the the little crystalids pop out of the the uh, <laughs> the NPC stomach, and then suddenly there's like three of them behind me, like slaughtering. I think a couple of people died, and it was just awful. <laughs> yeah, I remember that they can sometimes do that to the hostages. But um, you guys were saying that they can also implant eggs into your squad members i think so that's i i don't remember that happening to me but as you're mentioning like it happens to other like bystanders that i i kind of vaguely recall either way that's that sounds like that could ruin your day well like i said the first time you face them if you you know like if you haven't looked online or something like that you have no clue what they're doing you don't know that that's going to happen. Yeah. So you just go on your merry way, and then suddenly, like, oh, crap, there's three new enemies I have to fight. That I wasn't expecting. 
Speaking of looking online, uh, just taking a look at it here. Chrysalids kill a human, whether it be a civilian or a soldier, it'll implant an embryo wow. in them. And then after a, t- a turn or two, the uh, embryo will rise as a zombie. And do you get other chrysalids with it? Uh, uh, in the next turn, which will spawn a chrysalid hatchling after three turns. So yes, after okay. the zombies rise, and the facehugger will pop out of it again. Hmm. Potentially you call it a facehugger. <laughs> It seems to be more than a few uh, nods to other franchises in here. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm I've already shared one of the memorable stories, like the 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 end the ending mission with my uh, my main guy. The other one that I remember still is um, well, I mean, most of us like we've already said like the 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 general like pl- the way this plays out. I remember having a sniper. This and again, this was like you know the guy that like came through time and time again, right? Like one of them. So his name, his nickname was Ghost. And there was some mission. It was probably just one of the um like like you were asking, like kind of like a more grind grindy mission. I don't think it was like a major plot point. So you wouldn't expect like anything major to hopefully happen in the mission. And it turned out to be going to some kind of like a countryside gas station in the middle of the night. Um, and so I took um, I took my squad and you know included my sniper, but there was not really a good like sniping spot, or at least I hadn't found one. Um, and so I gave him cover behind um, like there was like a couple of cars parked at like the gas pump, like somewhere in that area where there were like corners to look around and where he could like shoot the uh, the brood or the the muton or whatever it's called in this game. That's like down the road, the the big guy. Right. And so as the the ambush like plays out and more and more enemies show up from all around, at some point, one of the enemies um, charged into or shot one of the actual gas pumps that um my guy was like hiding near and sure enough it exploded and like took the car with it and there went my my a-class sniper in you know completely out of his element on the ground like it's it's probably the kind of mission i shouldn't even have taken him on but with permadeath right like goodbye ghost like it was just i I don't know what about it makes me remember it still maybe maybe the way it all like it was it was kind of like a comedy of errors on my part you know don't take him there and don't set him behind of course not a great cover is is one that can explode in your face <laughs> so that was my bad you're you're sitting there saying like i put him behind a car and i'm already like i already know where this is going <laughs> you know um also, I don't think at that point. To, so, is it's slightly in my defense. I don't think I even knew that the um, like that there were combustible like elements in in like the car or the the the, the pump. I mean, it makes sense, but I hadn't seen them in action yet, right? So yeah. I I didn't fully know whether that was going to happen or not. And anyway, I couldn't just have him stand out in the open. He's got no, you got him in cover. He'd be dead anyway. <laughs> so I did something. I I imagine probably upon like you know hindsight. Maybe he, I could have had him climb on the roof of the gas station. I would have, I would assume there probably was a way to do that, but I don't know if I just didn't think of it or didn't have time. Anyway, he went up in a a, a great ball of fire, and his name went onto my memorial from from the, from that day forth. A lot of that, I, I think that's one of the great things about the game is that it doesn't spend all. It's not one of those games that just is going to tell you every little thing that can happen. A lot of that stuff you just experience it naturally and sometimes it really does just blow up in your face it's not going to tell you like oh yeah all the cars are explodable you might want to be careful about taking cover behind it like no no no. it'll let you do it and then you'll you know the alien will blow it up and it's like oh crap (laughs) i think there's a again 
is it one or two? But there's a little cinematic when your guys come back to base after a after a a mission, and uh, if one of them dies, like only three will come get out of the chopper mm-hmm. or whatever it is. <laughs> oh no, kind of rubbing it in, you know. Where's I? I remember waving goodbye to more of you. <laughs> Why aren't you all coming back? And the, the game does like to full you, uh, lull you into a false sense of security, too, because some of the uh, mission maps will have hollowed out husk cars that you can just hide behind the like uh, door of, and it works as cover. And if they shoot that card, nothing explodes. So mm. you're like, oh, you know, cars don't explode. And then you hide behind a you know, bus bus explodes now like okay well I... but you can do that to them though can't you correct yeah okay see as long as you can do it to them that sounds fun well that would have been great with like foresight it's just well you know you, you wanted to know when did when did something go pear-shaped right like that was mm-hmm. the moment when i was like oh like this might have been a great plan if i had pulled it on the enemy but instead i kind of got caught in my own foolish trap and that was, I mean, I only did a single playthrough, so it still ended, like, I won the game eventually. And and that's, I guess that's part of, like, why I remember it, too, is because, you know, to me, that's part of the story that led to, like, victory, you know? Like, that was one of the, the bodies along the way, one of the sacrifices. I feel like if I just play the game over and over, like, some of those will also kind of lose their impact. Because then it's like, well, that was that, that happened during that playthrough. Another way that uh, things went pear-shaped for me, considering we didn't even talk about it as a weapon yet would be uh, when enemies use grenades because alien grenades exist. So uh, one of my uh, my first time playing through in the early part, I, f- I knew turtling worked, but I'm like, you know what? Keeping my uh, players spread uh, out too thin across the map, if I send one too far to the right, they've been dying. So I'm going to keep all four of them together. And then just that moment where they show up and like, oh, I got this. See, everyone's behind their little cover uh, covers. And they're like, grenade. Like, wait, right, those things... <laughs> Everything explodes. And now you don't have cover either. You're like, oh, right? <laughs> oh, AIDS exist. A lot of O moments. <laughs> you know, you telling that story kind of makes me remember. I actually enjoyed sending my um, my heavy gr- – are they the heavies? The ones that can run really far and, like, engage, like, with shotguns at point blank range right like whatever they're called i actually enjoyed sending them kind of on their own i would usually try to put two of them in a squad and then they would make a point of separating from the rest of the group because they were the ones that could like quickly take out like you know um a medium-sized resistance all on their own right like before the rest of the squad like came in to kind of mop up and i just felt like that was like again this is like my personal in my head storytelling and i and i enjoyed those characters like acting that way and it does uh, it did eventually like lead to death of course but there were many many good moments along the way of, of kicking some alien ass so, so did everybody have at least one story mm-hmm. so, so then my, my next question that i had to know uh did you guys give your characters funny names i'm pretty boring so the the the, the goofiest thing i did probably was like presidents historical figures stuff like that i'm i'm a very boring person on naming characters see i'm very basic i would have named them all after my cats yeah I, i'm not creative enough to to do any of that i just click 
enter whenever the game gave him a name. I enjoyed their nicknames more than anything else. I'd refer to them by their nicknames, usually kept uh, uh, the uh, generic names, but I do remember, uh, I'm pretty certain anyway, you could name your base or name like the act, uh, like the squad name that anyone, like send your four members of the, you know, XCOM squad or whatever the generic was. I always rename those uh I always add the word crimson in it because of the crimson knights from Vandal Hearts. Uh, so whenever I have a chance to name the base, it's always like oh, uh, the crimson base, or but not not just the crimson base. It'd be like you know the crimson brigade, brigade something like that. See, I have this dumb joke that whenever I na- name like my guild or a base or anything like that, I always call it the Bong Squad, mm. <laughs> just because I like that pun. All right, Cheech and Chong. Yeah, that that's just something dumb that I do that that serves only to amuse me. Um, well, well, I'm disappointed. I thought you guys would be have have funny names like I had in the skit, but oh well. <laughs> You're more that's creative I, than us. <laughs> also, that's why I enjoyed your skit. <laughs> <laughs> more, more like I'm more, more perverted. <laughs> It, you just need to play the game, Kelly, so you can have, you know, um, uh, hey, 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 would you blow me? And yeah, and huge Anita ass. Hick, Anita Hickey, <laughs> and the ones that I didn't put in because they were too dirty. But um, so, so, do you guys have any memories associated with XCOM, like what you were doing in your life at the time you were playing it? I know it was eleven years ago. Uh, the the one thing that sticks out into me, like from other than just playing the game, this is one of the few games where I actually got into. Like I've never been a big streaming person, but this was a game. I guess this somewhat predates streaming, but I remember like spending lots of time on YouTube, watching tons of YouTube videos of other people playing XCOM, because it was one where a it was there's enough variety in all the maps. It was actually like a lot of fun to watch other people play it, and then I could pick up things that I could then take and put into my games. I'd see people do different strategies and be like, oh, I never thought of using this character, you know, using this type of character in this way before. That's a neat. I'll have to try that next time. Or, oh, man, they they totally screwed up. I'm like, nope, nope, they, they're, they're, they're hosed now. <laughs> you can, you, it's amazing how much fun you can have even watching other people, you know, terrible things happen to other people in the game. <laughs> Schadenfreude via streaming. That sounds exactly. fun. And, and the funny names that other people people come up with um, much more creative than me i can't remember if i said this offline or or during the show but when i was i was watching a video just to kind of get an idea of what the game was like and the person in this video named all of their their characters after british prime ministers um so they were saying well margaret margaret thatcher is injured so i gotta put in tony blair and um whatever that most current one is boris something uh, I mean, Margaret Thatcher's nickname would be a perfect fit for XCOM. The Iron Lady, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what, what about you, Ryan? Do you have any associative memories? I do, and for me, it's I. I found out over the years that uh, I generally went to tactical RPGs quite frequently. And as a result of that, I f- would find out later that what like Final Fantasy Tactics, for example, some of the hardest missions in there took me like two options or two tries. 
and other people are like it took me f- like four hours i got stuck i got soft lock and the game wasn't necessarily easy but i didn't find too much difficulty in it and as a result like i've played through all the ps1 ps2 uh tactical rpgs and since all those were based in uh like jrpgs in japan playing xcom was just not only a breath of fresh air but like i like we discussed before i felt stressed hor- like horror seeing like these things are coming around the corner what the how do i keep losing and it's just an entirely different way of trying to play chess so to speak compared to all a lot of other tactical games that to this day like you look anywhere in indie games triple uh, strategy titles a lot of things that came from XCOM are be- still being used today and used in good ways too mm-hmm. so just the, the lasting memories of this this is a game that uh, I didn't think much of when I first picked it up and stuck with me to a level I didn't think possible at the time awesome what about you Pascal I'm struggling to come up with like a story um, about the actual like video game. Um, I I couldn't even, I don't even remember, you know, like where I was or I think I was just like so involved in the game that like the world just kind of melted away. Like it's so, um, it requires so much of your attention. But um, I, there's something else we haven't like mentioned yet that I'll, I'll kind of weave into this. So I also have the, um, XCOM Enemy Unknown board game. Oh. Um, I got that like years later, years after playing the game. Um, and it and it is super difficult. And in this case, that's probably not a positive because with a board game, uh, you know, that the challenge it like works somehow differently than a video game. And you kind of want to play it. You get what you like, you want to, I don't know, have a chance to win. It's the kind of game where you have to make up house rules if you want to stand a chance. Because mm. <laughs> otherwise it's just like a lot of setup and a lot of cleanup and you're just kind of going nowhere because you die. You get, you get punished the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like it has the panic meter. And if I remember, it's far more unforgiving in the uh, board game. So I remember um one time taking that board game uh to the hospital my uh my brother was in the hospital and i brought xcom and we some we i don't know how you do that with hospital furniture because there's not a lot of like table space but we made it i think we used the bed and we figured out a way to set up the board game play it like lost miserably of course um and then we also watched aliens like that same night i brought that as well so it was kind of which is like very very xcom yeah Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's just like a just an ancillary story, but uh, that's uh the board game seems like pretty faithful and too faithful in some in some aspects. I don't remember Is what it... some of the house rules were we made up, but like you know, it's everybody has their own rules for like Monopoly, you know, like whatever. I, I was about to ask, mm-hmm. you know, is it like Monopoly where you have to put in st- stuff to make it go faster, otherwise you're there mm. all night and getting angrier? I uh, I'm tr- I'm I'm trying to remember just like some of the basic tenets of the board game and i i i don't i know you have you you have your base no i i don't remember the enemy encounters are really challenging <laughs> like uh it's like it's i think it's based on die rolls and the stats are like i don't know not in your favor so you'll frequently i guess so it becomes like very quickly before like in the first few rounds you it's already a slog of like well i don't have enough soldiers and i don't have any uh materials for my base the panic meter just went up like three spaces this guy is dead and it's just like okay so now it's not fun anymore like nobody wants to continue taking turns when basically it's it's like 
the second turn of the game and it's already the apocalypse, you know? Yeah. So that, that thing exists. And, uh, that's I like, that's pretty cool. I think it's the, Oh, nope. I was going to say it's the only video game tie in board game I have. That's not true. I also have the bloodborne board game, which we just did bloodborne. Wait, did we do bloodborne? No, we haven't done bloodborne yet. Um, bloodborne will be this, uh, Halloween. Um, I I was going to ask the, 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 does the X come board game have interesting miniatures? I know this is a question. very tailored to my own interest because I, I don't have miniatures. time to go open it and okay. tell you <laughs> so like let's, if, i'll tell you what somebody else go and i'll give you information after I could in a couple just, of minutes i could probably just google it too um, oh never mind i, I won't then because i know that the company <laughs> that does the uh dark souls game um board games that probably did bloodborne has really cool miniatures i have a, a bunch of theirs um, oh i also have the dark souls board game that's true yeah and, and as a matter of fact, I'm probably going to pick up the Elden Ring board game just so that I can paint their miniatures. Uh, they're the miniatures that come with it because people do that. Um, it's from Steamforged Games. Oh, and they, they do the Monster Hunter board game too. So yeah, lots, lots of stuff to paint. Oh, that, that sounds like all of our memories. And I'll have to put uh, put this game on my bucket list because it sounds interesting. It's really good. It's a lot of fun. If you like strategy rpgs and it's you know, different than than so much other stuff that, that it, we get it's funny because i hear people who um play fire emblem and permadeath mode on the hardest difficulty say that each map is like a puzzle to figure out and that's what this whole game sounds like <laughs> there's just uh, ev- everything has a give and take in this game there is no there is no like one right way to do it everything you're doing has it has consequences that you have to balance so it's it, it's the the tension is constantly there and it's just so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Hey, by oh, the, way, uh, the oh, board yes. game, I, it wasn't too far away. I just I couldn't do it like right that second. Like Oh. You know, I don't have like an answer ready. It just needed a moment. Sorry. It 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 does have miniatures. They're not um they're not like pewter metal, you know, nothing like that. Um they're they're gray plastic, uh, but you do have a different miniature type for each of your um unit types, I guess. That there's a guy with a bazooka, there's a sniper, there's a guy with a handgun, and then there's your your runner, your gunner, I guess, with the um with a shotgun. I don't know how paintable they are because they're just gray plastic. Uh, you, you put a p- coat of primer on something, you can paint pretty much anything. Yeah. It does not look like there's any miniatures for the alien, uh, for the aliens, though. I think the encounters just play out like on cards, but there's a spaceship miniature. Like, a, like there's like your, your jet that belongs to you and then the spaceship for the aliens. But a lot of it's done via cards and um uh, like counters and stuff like that. Maybe you could get like a handful of ham to be that one massive meat enemy. <laughs> Just slap a a fistful of ham chunks onto the board game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like a ha- well, I, I said ha- uh, ham because I was thinking that like hamburger would be unsanitary. But yeah, kind of like a, a little giant pizza the hut. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it looks like some people have painted up the the minis that have come with this. So. Um, but that sounds fun. Uh, I, I've bought board games just because I like the miniatures in them. I, I actually have a, a Disney uh, villains board, board game, or no, Dis- Disney sidekicks board game where you're playing as like Timon and Pumbaa or Louisiere. And I plan on painting up all the miniatures in that. Sounds kind of neat. But um, well, uh, thank you, Josh, and thank you, Pascal, and thank you, Ryan, for 
enlightening me on this game because I've heard about it for years, but had no clue just how in-depth it was. Happy to help educate you, Kelly. <laughs> yes. Yes. And um, next show, um, we're finally getting around to F- Fuga Melodies of Steel. That's what you're I, excited for. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like the lighthearted. Well, it's not really like lighthearted, lighthearted, uh, stuffing little anthropomorphic kids into a cannon, Kelly. It, it, it's it, lighthearted. It is so polarizing because the, uh, the the intermission segments feel lighthearted because you're cooking and you're doing laundry and you're you know grow, growing crops and all that. But then you get into the tank sections and it's talking about the horrors of war. <laughs> and all of this with some of the cutest anime artwork I've ever seen put to a game. It's exactly how I would want an XCOM easy mode to be, though, because, <laughs> you know, there's no, uh, sure, there's no permadeath, but if you screw up, you just got to grab one of those cute little cat characters, shove them in a cannon. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> so, as you can tell, we have been chomping at the bit to talk about this game. It was hard enough not to talk about it during the Solo to Robo episode. And uh, we're talking, uh, I, scheduled it well i moved around the schedule a little bit on purpose because when i found out that the sequel was coming out in may it's like we need to do the backtrack before then so that people can listen to this one and just kind of get a refresher so i I am so excited to talk about fuga next show because it was one of my favorite games of 2021 i think it was a staff favorite because it won so many awards josh you wrote the blurb for the best uh, turn-based rpg mm-hmm, for it mm-hmm. so um that that is going to be a fun show and i can't wait to, to ch- jump into that and this was a fun show and i i thank our guests i thank um my co-host matt mason who had to step out and i thank you listeners for sticking around and hanging out with us we also we will see you in a couple of weeks and have a good rest of your day 